Hey mamas, while I have your attention for just a few more seconds, I couldn't wait to get on here and share with you all about this app that I'm recording all of my podcasts for you through. It's called Anchor, and it is truly the easiest way to make a podcast. Don't believe me? Let me break it down and explain to you. First and foremost, it's free. That's right, it does not cost you one cent. And even better, there's actually creation tools inside the app that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It's really that simple. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You also can make money from your podcast, hello, with no minimum listenership. So, As in the words of Jerry Maguire, we can all say, show me the money, baby. Basically, it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So moms, as you know, I support every mama having a voice. Your voice needs to be heard. So go ahead, go download the free Anchor app today and get your voice heard. Share what you're passionate about. Go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that's Anchor. .fm to get started and I look forward to listening to you very soon. Hey all my mamas out there, thank you for coming back, coming to hang with me and all the other moms on this episode of Moms Matter. This is actually a part 2 of a previous episode. Do you guys remember Kristen Clement? She is a first-time now single mom from Florida who weathered the biggest storm of her life while going through an emergency c-section and then also 47 days in the NICU with her sweet baby boy Caspian. We left off talking about what it was like going through those hard days in the NICU without being able to be there with him all the time and we then continue on in this story about hearing her her moments of triumph her struggle with getting on the same page with doctors and then going into what life was like outside of the hospital. Continue to stay tuned and join with me as we continue on in Kristen's true story of triumph. So let's um, just pick up where we dropped off. Um, You actually were speaking of dropping off. You were just telling me how your breast milk, um, you know, started to uh, drop off. Yeah. From the stress. Um, Yeah. yeah. Feel free to just dive. Tell us more about that, but also um, then, you know, how everything went in the NICU and especially uh, once you eventually got to take him home. Yeah. So it's so funny because two weeks felt like an eternity. So within those two weeks of trying to keep your supply, trying to eat, you know, trying to get everything where it needs to be, I swear every day walking in that room, something new came up and it was so stressful. It it was unbelievable. And that's part of the reason why I wish I never had to leave because, you know, if I was there and I was overnight and I was able to be there early, early in the morning, because I mean, these doctors, they made their rounds at like seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning. So imagine trying to get up after having a C-section, you know, and you have to move slow. You can't drive. So you're not supposed to drive for the first six, like four to six weeks after having a C-section. I drove within my first week. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Because he his dad to. couldn't drive. 
he he could but he was not comfortable with driving on the highway and i was pretty much saying f you i'm gonna do it anyways so (laughs) i did i was like you know what i don't care like i want to be up there with my kid so for that first week i had to um get rides you know with my mom or have him drive me up there when I could but it was just like being who I am I'm already a very busy body like I'm like let's be on time let's get there let's do this let's you know we we need to make sure we have extra time to put in just in case we hit traffic or a light or you know something stupid happens so to have somebody who moves slower than me was just so frustrating and I'm sure all of the stress that happened with the baby and with Cass, you know, with Cass being in the the NICU, it probably didn't help our relationship at all. But my mind was on my baby. It was on my son. You know, like he was my priority now. Like I, I would take a bullet for this kid. So every day looping back was was different you know it was Mm -hmm. oh he's doing great today um you know he's growing he's taking more uh breast milk and this and that I mean like I was pumping at the hospital every like hour and a half to two hours I was eating a massive amount of like calories it was insane (laughs) like I'd go down to that go down to that cafeteria thank god they had like reasonably good food it wasn't like school cafeteria food it was like oh they had like pizzas and hot dogs and hamburgers and nachos and salads and like you know cakes and cupcakes and they had a very wide variety which was great for a mom who was nursing or (laughs) pumping because in order to produce a lot you also need to eat a lot more because you're burning a lot of fat and calories and carbs and all of this yes you you should definitely eat healthy I agree but me I didn't care like I was just like I just need to make sure I'm intaking food three Mm -hmm. times a day you know keeping my hydration up I was drinking water like there was no tomorrow oh my gosh I swear I have never peed so much in my life (laughs) (laughs) except for when I was pregnant when you're pregnant you pee a lot um but yeah so it you know it was a lot so a lot of it was going really well. They were like, he's doing great. You know, this is really good. So the only thing they were concerned about was him not eating on his own. So at first they're like, look, we can try and work with him with a feed specialist who sits there and, you know, tries to get him to suck, swallow and breathe at the same time, which is what babies do naturally. And he wasn't able to suck, swallow and breathe at the same time. And, Finally, they gave us another option. They're like, well, we could do a G-tube, which is where he would have a little button. So he'd have like what we call a second belly button, Mm -hmm. um, a little button up above into the like left of his tummy from his belly button that would connect to another connector. And then that would connect to a pump and it would feed him that way. Well, obviously being a mom and being a first time mom, it was a big no. Like, no, I, I don't want my kid having surgery under, you know, not even being a month old and then having to have his first surgery. That was terrifying to think about, to even like imagine. So it's like, oh my gosh, to think that this would have to happen. It was like, no, we were hurt at no. Well, as the frustrations and the, you know, 
being up here at the night, all of this take over, it was so, it was hard. It was like, we just want to be home. We want to enjoy him. The doctors even said, you know, I've seen babies who got the G-tube, went home, and they thrived. Like, they just blossomed into this baby who was just wanted to do things, you know? Mm-hmm. And talking it over with his dad, and I included my mom in a lot of it because my mom and I are really close. And we all agreed that it would be best for Caspian. Because to see him with that stupid little orange tube going down his nose and into his tummy. Could you imagine having something in your nose going all the way down and through and to the back of your throat all the way down into your um, your stomach? That's how it had to go in. Now, was that the only other option? Like you said that you didn't want to do the surgery at first, but was the other option to continue with the feeding tube through the nose? It was it was to keep that in his nose and stay there until he learned to suck, swallow, and breathe. Mm, okay. So I'm like, and I asked them, I'm like, how long could it take if we decided to go that route? They're like, it could be months. It could be years. Wow. Yeah. So we had the option of going home a week after his surgery or months waiting to see where he would come, you know? So, so if he, if you guys waited, you also were facing the choice of not being able to leave the NICU until he could do so. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And imagine the bill, (laughs) because I'm going to tell you right now, we had our own private room. We had these specialist doctors and everything. So the geneticists, they were baffled because they did all of this blood work. They thought he had SMA, um, Oh, if I could remember what they mean, I don't remember. But if you look up SMA, it is terrifying. Um, Most babies who are genetically born with it, they sometimes don't live past the age of two. My gosh. Yes, because it's a deteriorating um, condition. So it's where they'll seem like they're better. And then as they get older, they, they just decrease like rapidly so they go from being kind of normal to all of a sudden they can't do anything like at all and it's it's they told us not to look it up on google but of course what did we do we looked it up on google so yes so then they also thought he had prater willy um which is another genetic um like i said we learned a lot in this nicu experience like a lot um we you know we learned how to take care of him while also learning how they they did things in the hospital and how they were very cautious about everything and tips and tricks and things like that but yeah Prater Willie that one is like it's survivable so you you know you can live a life with it but it's very complicated like uh, a lot of babies will gain weight because they just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat kind of like an obsession of eating Mm -hmm. And then, um, and when it also, sorry, I, so I, what I'm curious about, and I'm sure uh, my listeners are also is, so with all these diagnoses being thrown around, what did they officially say that Caspian had? They don't know. 
still to, to this, this day, day they okay. the only thing they tell us that he has is hypotonia which is the low muscle tone and they've been blowing everybody out of the water because he's like he's been thriving i mean he is climbing mountains so yeah so we finally to kind of skip forward a little bit we finally decided to do the surgery well as they're in the midst of doing and getting prepped and you know getting the surgeons up here and to come up and talk to us and um have us sign papers of like you know of course oh we're not responsible and so on and so forth you know the normal scary typical Mm -hmm. things they were concerned that he might have an infection in his intestines. And with that being said, they wouldn't do the surgery. And it was so frustrating. So now we're taking, we took three or four steps forward and now we're taking eight steps back. So they're like, oh, we can't do the surgery. We have to stop feeding him entirely. Um, and put him on um, fats and sugar water to keep his body running and do a what they call a gut rest. So nothing is going into his gut at all. And then they also put him on three antibiotics. No, four. Four different types of antibiotics. Wow. Yeah. So my little boy went from having you know the ng tube the on the occasion he went from having oxygen and not needing oxygen help so he went from on the occasion he was seeming to have trouble to not to not needing it well then one morning i walk in and he has a needle in his head they they have like all of this set up on his little tiny head i have pictures and it makes me cry every time i see it And that was the only vein they could get without having to poke him repeatedly in the arm. Mm. So imagine coming in and you're excited to see your little man. And then all of a sudden he's got this big, massive, like tubes and everything on his head. I bawled and I I was mad. They could have told me, hey, when you come in, be prepared it was the only place, no warning at all, none whatsoever at all. Well, not to mention too, that as a, a mom, I think we have this inborn innate, uh, yeah, mama gut that you feel, especially when they're this mm-hmm. little to make those decisions for them. Like that's part of what being a mom is. And I'm sure you had to so many times in his first few weeks and months, like really surrender that too to other people and and put his life in their hands right and it's terrifying because you know as a mom you're like no I know what's best for my kid and you know I'm the only one who but it's like you have to remind yourself that these are doctors who have been doing it for years if not tens of years you know like they've just they've been doing it for a very long time and we definitely had doctors that we really enjoyed and then we had some where we're like yeah can we get somebody else because you just didn't like the way they practiced because what had happened is that Caspian turned into an experiment they're like oh we don't know what's wrong with him what can we find out who can we find out with you know let's wrap our brains around this they wanted to do a spinal tap on a two-week-old baby. Oh, my goodness. 
yeah. And that's terrifying. And I said, absolutely not. I said, you do not have my permission. And that's something I'm going to tell all you moms. You are the voice. (laughs) If your baby can't talk, you are the one to tell them no. And that is something I try to tell everybody that I talk to personally is you are the one who's going to tell them what you can and can't do because they will do whatever they want. And uh, that's what I found out about doctors. Like if they feel it's right in their mind, they're like, Oh, well, we're just going to do it. And so, you know, he's on these antibiotics for 10 days. He had to be the mom in those 10 days. I watched my kid go from this happy, you know, calm, and cute little kid to being miserable. They tore him up. They had his heart rate going funky. They had, you know, so many things that changed. He went from, wow, we're getting the surgery and we're looking to go home in, in like a month and in total of him being in the NICU to, wow, there's no telling how long we can be here because now they're like, oh, well, He's having these weird, um, what they call Brady's and it's where his heart rate would drop and they determined on if he could go home or not. So he got off the antibiotics. They're getting him back to having full feeds because he has to go back to having his gut filled and being used to having food in it before they can do a surgery. Well, then he starts throwing up and he turns into this huge colicky baby which is not fun. It's, it's already stressful having a kid and then also having a kid in the NICU and then to have him throwing up consistently from not throwing up. So we were like, okay, here's, you know, our next journey. Like this is where we're going. You know, this is what we have to go through and get through and, you know, hopefully get him home. And finally they got him to full feeds. He was doing really well. He was having a couple, a couple of moments here and there where they were a little nervous, but they're like, it's nothing we can't not do the surgery of. So fast forwarding through all of that nonsense of watching your kid have to have all these antibiotics and being hooked to a pick line. Eventually he had to have a pick line. So one in his arm where it went all the way up and all the way down into his heart. Um, you know, to think of your newborn baby and they've already had a pick line. How many people in your life do you know have a pick line? Yeah. I mean, he, he's (laughs) gone through and so have you, I think just a lifetime worth (laughs) of all kinds of diagnoses. And so you said he eventually did have his, so his G2 put in and then did get put in when he Mm -hmm. did have that, um, was that, um, kind of the last step to getting him to come home on day 47? So, yeah, that was probably about three. So it was almost 30 days that he was in the NICU by the time he got it in because he was two weeks when they determined it, that he could have it, which, again, we had to fight with the insurance company. They're like, oh, y'all can't put a, a two weeker on a G tube. That's so, un- you know, it's unheard of or it's rare. And we had to fight. The, the, the insurance didn't want to cover it. They're like, that's just no, that like, that's so on top of all of that, we're sitting here having to fight with the insurance company to to bring our kid home. Yeah. And, um, 
the surgery was scary. I mean, you know, you're stuck in a waiting room waiting for your kid on how they're going to do. We got to follow him down. We got to, um, you know, have them explain everything to us, how it was going to go. The nice, the only nice thing about him having a pick line is that they didn't have to do it prior to the surgery. So all they had to do was hook him up to the morphine or whatever it may be. And then, you know, there it was like, they already had it. They didn't have to go in, do the, do the pick line, wait for that and have it take hours to do the surgery. It took no more than 45 minutes for them to do the whole thing. So waiting in the waiting room was very like agonizing. Like I was on my phone, just trying to find any distraction that I could and, you know, anything that we could do. And then they came out and they're like, he's done. You know, he's going to be headed up to his room. If you guys want to grab a drink and go up there and, you know, enjoy him. He was so out of it being on all of those, all of those drugs being all loopy. You know, he was just tired. He slept a lot. Um, But the exciting part was, is that he got the G tube and he was going to be able to go home So we were like, yes, you know, this is, Mm -hmm. this is perfect. We're like, things are being moved. We're, we're getting past all these hurdles. And then he started having Brady's again. I mean, like one Brady was terrifying. It dropped down to the point where you have, so you have green, which is obviously good. You have yellow where you're like, Ooh, I don't think he'll need assistance, but we'll keep a really close eye on him. And red means that all of your nurses and your doctors run in and they're ready to pull the bag out to bring your baby back. So he dropped several times into the red category. But within, I don't know, like a second, he came right back up. Like he was just like, oh, I'm good. You know, (laughs) like false alarm. Sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah, now that you're in here, come say hi to me. (laughs) It's his way of controlling so, an uncontrollable yes. situation. Yes. Um, so they're like, look, we can't send him home unless we know what's going on. So more blood work, more ultrasounds, more, you know, testing and them racking their brains of like what's going on. So not only that in order to get him home we had to get approved through the insurance for his pump and all of his medical supplies well the thing is is that they won't give you the pump and the medical supplies until you're like two to three days of discharge so we got there they're like yep you're gonna go home on monday so say it's friday they're like you're gonna go home on monday and they're sending up your pump and we're going to teach you how to use it and how, you know, to calculate things and this and that. And then we took three steps back. <laughs> it got to like Sunday. We were super excited and he couldn't pass his car seat test. Mm-hmm. So a car seat test is where they have to be able to stay sitting up for 30 minutes to an hour without having any Brady's oxygen drops heart drops, anything. And he got so close, so close. And then he like plummeted. So they're like, all right, well, we're going to give it 24 to 48 hours and we'll try again. Well, then um, he got 
you know, so we're creeping up. Like we've already had hit 30 days. So now we're like, you know, 35, you know, 40 ish days into this whole NICU stay. And they're like, Oh, well we have to put them on antibiotics again. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, no, it tore up his system. I mean, like he would, he was miserable. This kid was, he does not take well to, to antibiotics at all. We found that out early on in his life. And that is where, again, your voice is their voice. So they told me that they had, they had to put him on these antibiotics because the infection that he might have had was dangerous to all of the babies in the NICU. So now you're not thinking of just your baby. You're thinking of all of the babies in that NICU, you know, hundreds of babies in the NICU. So you start to, um, you know, go, okay, well, you know, what are some other steps to this? Like right. it was cause he had like a, can you hear me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're like, well, he has like a, like, you know, a weird sound in his throat or, you know, something really small. Like they, they couldn't even guarantee that he had the infection. And I'm like, look, what can you do to prove to me that he has this infection? They're like, well, we can take a blood sample and do a blood culture. I said, okay. They did the blood culture and they're like, well, while the blood culture is going, he has to be put on the antibiotics. And I kept putting my foot down. I said, look, no, you're not putting him on these antibiotics. They were the same exact antibiotics that he was on for that week and a half that tore him up, made his stomach like not okay or anything. And finally they started to threaten me. The doctors were like, look, I've seen babies die from this. So now you're going to come in here and tell me that my baby could die because mm-hmm. I'm wasting my opinion mm-hmm. and telling you that my it's mom got fear mongering. Yes. Doctors fear monger. And it's so frustrating. It is so frustrating. And it's like, especially being in the NICU, it's like, you're already stressed with so many different things. You're going back and forth from being home and eating and, you know, you're trusting these people to take care of your kid and then they're going to fear monger you. And I didn't let them win. I said, no, I said, you know what? You're going to let that blood culture run and he's only going to be on these antibiotics for 12 hours. And I said, if 12 hours go and nothing shows up on that blood culture, you're taking him off the antibiotics. They're like, well, it technically has to be 24 hours. I'm like, no. So what happened? Mommy gut was right. He had nothing wrong with him. Nothing was there. So I had to sign a paper stating that they were not responsible if he did get the infection and that um, they had already talked to me about the the things and so on. So again, fear mongering, you know, like, oh, you're responsible for the death of your kid because you decided to take him off these antibiotics. I said, okay signed my signature, put a date on it and told them to take them off the antibiotics. And they did. And 48 hours later, the blood culture still showed nothing. So over this tiny little runny nose or, you know, this slight sound in his throat, they jumped on it and just jumped on it. 
And it felt great to put my foot down and know what was right for my son. Because God knows what would have happened there, tearing down his immune system already that's already weakened from the previous round of antibiotics. Yeah, and I think that's so important for, you know, moms to understand and realize. And especially, it's hard. I, I feel your pain when you're a new mom. You you almost, it's like you you respect that you're new and like you want to trust the people around you that you feel okay. Maybe they have more, you know, experience, but nobody is more experienced with your child than you. You know, you Correct. are his his mom. And I think there's something to be said in that. And it looks like you definitely had to face that over and over when he was in the NICU. And I'm sure many times since as well. Yes. And then of course, in the midst, so as we're creeping closer to him coming home, we're also in the middle of buying a house. Not to mention, my crazy mom ass was deciding that, hey, while I'm in the NICU, let's buy a house. (laughs) So who does that? Who who's crazy enough to go? I just had a newborn who was also still in the hospital, and I'm gonna buy a new house with no job. It probably felt good just to have something else to focus on. It really, it really did. It really did. And to be able to go from, Oh my gosh, I'm bringing this baby home to an apartment life to he has his own room and we have space and you know, he's going to have, he's going to be able to grow up and have, um, you know, this, just this wonderful life. You know, regardless of whatever may happen, I'm going to love him regardless. And so after fighting with the antibiotics, um, the next step was getting him to be in a car seat or whatever it was that we needed to get him to become able to become home, you know, to come home. And um, finally, instead of trying to go through the car seat test again, we're like, what's our other option? Well, he came home in a car bed and to best describe a car bed, think of a car seat, but it laying down flat and like, literally he had luxury life. He got to ride in a car laying down and could fall asleep easily. Who doesn't want to do that? I was like, I feel like he's just basically living up to his Prince Caspian name. Right? Yes. So, yeah. So then I'm like, you know, let's just do the car bed option and he still had to pass the test, but it we almost knew that it was going to be 100% easier. So on the day that he had to pass his car seat bed, I, and I'm going to probably start crying because it's just a great memory. I sat on the floor with that kid and I sat there and I sang to him and I laughed and I cried and anything to keep him calm, anything to keep his heart rate, like, at that normalized, like, okay, you got this, like, you can do it, you know, you've Mm -hmm. gone through hell and back already. (laughs) So what's one more step, you know, and he did, he passed. And it was a great feeling to have even just that tiny victory. And yes, we were finally on the step to go home. And we were so excited. I feel something that you said that is so, it's so crucial to like repeat is that that little victory meant so much. And I feel as moms, like we have to focus on those because we, we love the big victories, but sometimes it really is the little ones that help you get through 
the hardest of days. Oh, yeah. And, you know, on top of him being in the NICU, it wasn't just the doctors that he had. He had, because as you guys have probably heard me say, he's had, he had a therapy come in. Um, he has a, a physical therapist and an occupational therapist that come into home. But while in the NICU, he had an occupational, a um, feed slash speech therapist, um, a physical therapist, a music therapist, mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lymphatic therapist. So she was a gift from God. I, I kid you not, because she is the reason his legs and his swelling came down. She worked all of his lymph nodes and helped them release all of that extra water and all of that extra everything that was whatever was keeping it there. And within those weeks of everything coming through, you know, going through and going through all the hard bumps and all that, we got to watch how he was able to move. He went from not being able to move to his fingers and his hands and eventually his feet and his toes Mm. and his arms. And then he started moving his head back and forth. And these doctors had told us to be prepared that there was a chance he may never move. You know, there, there's a chance where you might be carrying this, what some terms is called a floppy baby you know, for months, it could be months, it could be years. Um, I know some moms in my mom group who have babies that they still carry around at the age of two and three in baby carriers because they can't walk or bear weight on their feet or anything. And that alone is terrifying. But, you know, again, we had these little victories of this little boy who was determined Mm -hmm. that he was going to defy the odds. And it was awesome to watch. It was, it was literally watching miracles happen. And And I think that's gotta be the almost like light in your storm, you know, is not that I'm sure you would ever want any other family to go through this, but you know, where you went through so much trial, you're also getting to witness and see your, your yes. son. Uh, like you said, I mean, really have these miracles unfold and, yep. and I'm sure help you see uh, how and help you grow also as a person, just yes. by seeing him conquer his own challenges. Definitely. It was, it was fantastic. And I know this probably, this podcast is a long podcast, apparently. Yes, but it is. <laughs> it was, his story is long and I'm so sorry. But oh, to no. fa- yeah, go ahead. Um, to kind of fast forward, we finally um, got the okay to come home. They, they wanted to send us home with a suction machine, um, a, a monitor for his heart. And, um, and then of course his feeding pump. So three different type of machines we were going to have to come home to. Well, finally, after waiting the extra week or two of not going home, we were not, we were not needing to be sent home with the heart monitor, which was awesome. So we got his Brady's under control and what was causing his Brady's at this point was that they were overfeeding him. And it was causing issues. So um, I kept telling them, look, 
you need to find a way to cut back his feed amount. He's not ready to increase his amount. Like you need to stop. And of course that was another battle. You know, they're like, Oh, well we're calculating things and this is how it should be. Well, not. And this is something you moms need to know. Mm -hmm. Not every baby is the same. Mm -hmm. And I hate that doctors like, Oh, well this baby should be at the weight of all these other babies. No, every baby is different. I have my cousin who has their baby and she's a cute little chunker monker and you know what? And she's healthy. And then you have my little boy, mind you, he has complications, but he's is just as healthy, just minus a few complications, but he's not nearly as at the weight as she is. You know, he's only like 15 or 16 pounds at nine months. <laughs> he's little. <laughs> he's little where some babies are 25 and 30 pounds depending on you know the so I've seen some pretty pretty heavy babies but they all just gain differently and finally getting them to go down on the the weight or not on the weight on the feed amount so we had to go down on the feed amount and um do what they call kcal or high calorie so they had to take breast milk and then add calories to it. So they would add a special formula because they thought he had dairy problems. And let me tell you, if you think formula now is expensive, try having a special formula. That that crap was $60 a can. My gosh, my jaw just dropped. <laughs> $60 a can. So yeah, so on top of that, we had to be sent home with really expensive formula um a suction because he could not again the whole suck breathe and swallow he could not swallow his secretions properly so he was sent home with um, a medication that helped dry up those secretions and they helped tremendously so we finally got on that that path that we needed to and the day came on that 47th day we were able to bring our little boy home and it was the best feeling in the world so we got our bed seat properly in the car and you know we had his backpack and we packed up all of our stuff it looked like we were literally packing up an apartment from the NICU because we had so much stuff up there while we were staying up there for so long and yeah we we finally got to bring him home after a long battle of finding out nothing as to why he came out the way he did um they still are baffled we are still working with geneticists and doing saliva tests and blood work and all of that fun stuff to figure out, you know, what might have caused these issues. Um, and when they say that your baby does four times better when they get home, they're not lying. To have that relaxed setting of being at home is an entirely different feeling. <laughs> mm, for mom and, and baby, I'm sure. For mom and baby, but it was also terrifying you know, you went from having all of these nurses who took care of your kid anytime it cried or mm. anytime, you know, he had a problem, they jumped on it. So now I'm a new mom, first time mom, who's bringing home their special needs baby. And you have to do it alone. 
you don't have all of these nurses you don't have all these doctors and to say that I had anxiety was an understatement it was unreal there were days where I woke up crying like oh my gosh I don't know if I can do this am I going to be able to do this and you know having his dad here, he, he didn't know how to handle it. He was like, what, you know, what can I do? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I'm just scared. What if I mess up? What if we're stuck in the hospital? All in that was the fear is him having to go back yeah, and to and relive that's... all of that all over again yeah. was just, it, it was a nightmare. <laughs> we don't want that nightmare. No. Again. Well, and now looking back, I mean, Caspian is now, is he about uh, 10 months, almost 11? He's about 10 months. We have only been to the hospital once. And that was because he pulled his G2 button out and we didn't know how to put it back in at the time. We do now know how to put it back in. Um, so they do educate you on it. So you don't have to run to the hospital, um, every time that it pulls out. Cause you know, kids, they get curious and they're like, <laughs> Oh, what's this? Why is this thing on my body? You know, I'm going to pull at it. Um, but yeah, he got home and things really started to go over a lot more smoothly. And I was blessed to be able to be home for five whole months of, of him being home. So minus the fact that he was in the hospital for almost two months, I also then got extra three months to be home and to get to know him and to, you know, be prepared for like the therapies that were going to be in home and yeah. things like that. So, well, you definitely have had your share of challenges in the first 10 months. Of oh my gosh. Being for real. a mom, And I'm sure what so many could say for a lifetime. Um, but just to kind of wrap up um, your story and, you know, um, moving on um, into, you know, what's next kind of for you and your family, I'd love it if you would just share um, with our moms who maybe, you know, maybe there's other moms on here that have um, been through the NICU or are currently there, or maybe had a sister or a cousin there. Um, could you share just with us all like briefly about how would you say, um, or what would you encourage other moms, like how to get through such a challenging time, like the one that you experienced yourself? Have a very solid support system. That's something the nurses and the doctors noticed. They're like, your mom was up here every, and I was so blessed that she could be. And I, I don't know what I would have done without her, but have a support system, whether it be your husband or your, you know, your boyfriend, if you're not married or your mom or your grandma, who your, your sister, whoever it may be like having that support was the, I think the only way I would have made it through. And then of course, now, now being a single mom, because um, his dad and I just, it just didn't work out. He didn't want to grow. He wanted to stay, you know, in the, I don't even know how to call it. He just, jealousy became a thing. He, a lot of men grow jealous of their kids. And then some men grow out of that jealousy and they don't, but he didn't. And, you know, don't, don't be afraid to be a single mom. It's scary and it's hard, but the rewards are still so worth it to know I'm doing this on my own and I don't need the help or a man telling me, you know, that, oh, well, you know, you're just a 
a mom who sits at home and does nothing. And I'm not even a stay at home mom. I don't even get that option, but you know, he, he was supposed to be a stay at home dad and he didn't get to do that because he couldn't do it. And that's something that dads don't realize is the amount of us moms do. <laughs> it's not an easy yeah, job. <laughs> it is only something I think when you've experienced it, can you yes. uh, really put words to it? And, yes. You know, and I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yep. No, you're okay. Um, it, it just kind of leads back into that me saying, you know, when you become a mom, you have to sacrifice. Well, when you become a dad, you have to, too. And if they're not ready to sacrifice, then they're not ready to be a dad. And that's how it became. He wasn't ready. And we decided for the the best, the negativity was not good for Caspian. And so now his dad is in Ohio and I'm here and Caspian has been thriving. <laughs> he talks, yeah. he rolls over, he um, sits up unassisted, he is in the works of crawling he bears weight on his feet you know he has come he has climbed mountains and we are so proud of him so and on top of that we just got news six months to a year his g-tube should be out oh my gosh that's awesome news uh-huh <laughs> yeah wow what a big sigh of relief there and yeah. something i'm sure everyone in your support system will be looking forward to and to celebrate oh yeah especially his grandpa and... yeah yeah oh but yeah well, i love uh i love that your story has so many levels and and i feel like this could absolutely become like a reoccurring episode we could have you on again and as i would <laughs> i would love to dive deeper on um so many things especially with you becoming um a recent you know single mom but um we before we um say goodbye i would love um if there are any resources out there that you would love to point moms to, whether it be books, blogs, podcasts, other than this one, of course, um, but anything you'd recommend that helps you get through this time or that you still use, uh, I would love for you to share them. I can't say that I have any resources um, just because we've kind of done a lot. We've had a lot of professional, like, uh, like special doctors. Um, but anytime that you can read up on anything, you know, wherever you can a lot of it we found on google because google's google but don't don't trust everything you read on google (laughs) that's something i've learned through this whole experience but um i i joined a lot of mom groups don't be afraid to join mom groups on facebook that's where i learned a lot um i joined a hypotonia group um on facebook and to learn that i wasn't alone And that, you know, it wasn't as uncommon as you thought it would be, you know, to learn that there were thousands and thousands of babies out there who had similar or the same um, things going on was a relief. So don't don't be afraid to think that something (laughs) would be on Facebook because we had no idea that it would even be on Facebook and then come to find out it was and it was a relief. So any, yeah, I don't have any personal resources other than I found a hypotonia group on Facebook and ask as many questions to your doctors as you can all the time. (laughs) Don't be afraid to ask. That is a very good little tidbit right there. Mm -hmm. And um, perhaps uh, if, uh, if you'd be open to it, um, is there any way that uh, any moms that may be really related or connected to your story in a way that they could get in touch with you in the future? 
Yeah, I mean, I have an Instagram, but I'm not very active on it. But they can add me on Facebook. I mean, you can look me up by my first MLA last name. I have my little boy on there. Um, it's, you know, Kristen, Kristen Clement. And, and it, yeah, I mean, I'd be more than happy to, to talk to them if they needed. Because that's, again, that support. You need that support. <laughs> and being a mom, mom support is the best support because they understand what we're going through. So exactly. We totally. kind of all have our own language we speak. And oh, uh, for real. man, any moms out there that want to further connect with Kristen, I'll make sure that I write her, I spell her name out and I'll put the links below in the show notes page. But my goodness, Kristen, I am hugging you through the phone. Um, <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much for opening up and sharing your story. And I think I can say it on behalf of all of us, please give that little man a huge high five and tell him to keep going. <laughs> We, I will. He will get hugs and kisses (laughs) and high fives for everybody. Plenty. I love it. All right. Well, thank you again, everyone listening. This is Moms Matter. And please know that you matter and that your voice is valid and your story 